T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. BS. They played this for yeah. days. I think I remember hearing this. Before a postseason game last year, Billy's was packed. All you saw was pinstripe jerseys and colorful lights and beers. And you could feel that fall crisp air as the Yankees were about to play in the Bronx. It's been a while. That feels like a long time ago. The Bronx, New York. Anyway, Keith McPherson on the fan. And, you know, I keep going back to the Brian Cashman stuff. And my biggest issue with Cashman is that we're mad and he's mad, but we're mad about different things. We're mad about the Yankees getting embarrassed, the Yankees losing um, 80 games, the Yankees being the laughing stock of baseball, not just through the regular season, but even through the postseason, the butt of every joke. Oh, the Diamondbacks haven't walked the team off since they walked the Yankees off in the World Series. <laughs> oh, don't don't count out the Houston Astros. Remember that team that came back from down? Like, come on, bro. We're mad, you're mad, but we're mad at different things. We're mad because we didn't make the postseason with the best hitter in baseball, the best pitcher in baseball coming off a season that we were in the ALCS. And you keep going back to the fact that we won 99 games. You won 99 games, then you got swept out of the ALCS by the same team that's beat you in the ALCS the last three trips you made there. You just can't figure out how to beat them. You beat them when it didn't matter. You, you called the Martian up this year. That was the highlight of the year. At least we had that. But Brian Cashman is mad because people are attacking him. Brian Cashman is mad because people are calling for his job. Brian Cashman is mad because he's being checked. Brian Cashman is mad because they're questioning his methods and his people. He says, I think we have pretty effing good people. I'm proud of our people. I think we're, well, he said, I think we're pretty effing good personally, and I'm proud of our people. You think you're pretty good? Oh, my goodness. Did you watch the games? That's what I'm saying. That's the difference. I know you watch the games, but you don't see what we see. I see the Washington Nationals come into Yankee Stadium, no fear that they're going to beat the Yankees. I see the last series of the year, the Kansas City Royals, who had their worst season in history, tied with 106 losses. Say, we're not losing to the Yankees, not, not, not at home, not here. And you, you can go down the list. The Oakland A's, not afraid of you. The last place, St. Louis Cardinals, not afraid of you. You go to Colorado, lose this series to the Rockies. They're not afraid of you. The Angels beat you as well, swept you. Like, you're pretty good? Delusion. 
We'll get to the delusional Jets fans and delusional Jets in about uh, 20 minutes or so. Let's take the rest of these calls. Michael is in Bayside on the fan. What's up, Michael? Hi, Keith. Um, I appreciate you putting uh, Prodigy Beat uh, earlier. Rest hey. in peace, Prodigy. I really appreciate that very much. Born and raised in Queens. I uh, used to imitate Don Mattingly. I grew up in, born in 76, and I I, I was raised uh, with the Yankees playing stickball in the streets. And, you know, I, I, um, I paid good money to get good seats at Yankee Stadium, and I have VPs asking me, Michael, are you coming back? Are you coming back for two years? And if they're listening, they know who I am. For two years, I'm saying, unless you get rid of Boone, I can't do it. Um, one caller said a sense of urgency. It's not that. It's They think it's cool to look neutral and unemotional. They think it's cool to just chew gum and to not have any expressions. But where's the emotion? Where is what we grew up with? When I was in high school and college, it was a Derek Jeter era, and I, I went to all the World Series games. I went uh, to the playoffs, and I heard the, the stadium. King Griffey Jr. said it was the loudest stadium he's ever been to in his life that um, first year. I was there. Um, so I'm telling you, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back until you do something. I, I don't think Boone is he, – he doesn't understand that logic doesn't win games. Sometimes you have to – or decide with emotion. Sometimes you have to step outside the box, get angry a little bit. Same expression. Um, so I saved my grief. I didn't watch this year. Why well, put myself through that much grief? And and then I found out that they didn't make the playoffs, and I'm like, oh my god, I saved so much grief. I, I so you saved your money. I saved my money. You stopped watching your uh, how your team was doing. I stopped watching for a little bit to save myself some grief. I just wanted to share that that I'm not coming back until they make serious changes. I want to see a better team. It's um, it's just it's it's inexcusable. Thanks for the call, Michael. I mean, I didn't, you know, luckily I don't pay for tickets anymore. But I mean, there were plenty of years I was paying for tickets, whether it was the cheapest ticket I could find or any ticket that was available. To me, I'm going to the stadium. I'm going to the stadium, and then I'm coming here to host the show. You feel me? Like <laughs> I go to Yankee Stadium. I wasn't privileged as a kid to go to the stadium with my dad and my mom and my family. I, I brought my family to the stadium. You know, a lot of you are blessed that the Yankees were introduced to you by your dads and your parents and you got to go. And like, I go to the stadium now as a grown man because I have access and I'll, I'll never not go. I want change, but you got to realize you're not changing anything by not showing up. This is New York. I hear people say that all day. Oh, it's not going to change until you stop going to the stadium. I'm going to the stadium. And so are the 10 girls from Taiwan that I met at the stadium on uh, the night Judge hit three home runs. It's a tourist attraction. Every night it's someone's birthday. Every night there's a a group of 10 package being sold in every section. Every night someone's getting proposed to. It's Yankee Stadium. The new stadium is still living off the lore of the old stadium. And these modern-day Yankees are living off of what the old Yankees did, the old Yankees brand. I always mention those girls from Taiwan. They were dressed in Yankees gear head to toe. I think they bought all of that stuff out of the team store. you got to be bugging out. It's wild expensive to go in there and buy hats, shirts, memorabilia. But they're here from another country. There's somebody from another country in Yankee Stadium every single time, folks. So 
You don't have that power. You can't boycott the Yankees. You can't, you know, you know, for every one of you that decides not to go, somebody is coming into money that year and they decide, I do want to buy a season ticket plan. But they can hear you talk on WFAN. And they do see you in the stadium with fire cashman shirts and signs and booing um, these different players that they put out there that nobody else wants. It's not good enough. The standard of excellence has dropped. And Brian Cashman, I think, is losing sleep at night because he knows it. We know it. And it's it's his fault. You're the GM. You're the general manager. And when you talk about, oh, I've been here for a long time, and whether it's what the fans think or the perception or blah, 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 I think we're doing a good job. No, 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 no. Men lie. Women lie. Numbers don't. The numbers say that the league has closed the gap on you. The numbers say that you haven't been to a World Series in now 15 years. The numbers say you've lost a bunch of games and you've made moves for players that aren't it, that aren't cutting it. The numbers also say, and I think Hal's starting to lean in on this, you've spent money in the wrong places. You brought Josh Donaldson here and you took on that stupid contract. You, like I, I could go on all day, but I want to get calls before we get to... Uh, my guest at 8.30. Joe is in Chatham, New Jersey. What's up, Joe? You got it. Keith, thank you. It's an honor to talk to you, especially on this topic. What I heard from Hal today was low energy, no urgency, no hunger. And I connect that with exactly what Judge was talking about, about the teammates. He specifically said no urgency. I think we're, some of us, or too many of us, are giving Hal a free pass. He, he's gotten comfortable, he's made Cashman comfortable, and I think, and what makes me kind of angry, is I think Hal is trading on the Yankees' name. We should not give him a free pass because his last name is Steinbrenner. I think his complacency or lack of urgency is pervading the organization. And I'd like to know what, what you think of that. Should we lay more blame at, at Hal's feet? That's the way I feel. This is what I think, and thank you for the call, Joe. You can't change a guy's personality. I know you guys want how to be George so bad. It's never going to happen. There was one George. God rest his soul. Like, how is how? And I give how credit for what he's done in this last year. Going to get Aaron Judge, I give him credit for. Cashman didn't do it. Cashman was sitting there, doody doody doo. I don't know where he is. He's a free agent. He's not our guy anymore. Oh, it's just like, like I don't know the rules on above. I don't know where he is. He's your guy. You, you got to make sure that guy is signed. You could have signed him on opening day, but you fumbled the bag. Cost yourself some bread. Wasted some of Hal's money that you could have allocated for better players. That's why we need answers. Why are you signing these guys for nothing in spring training and then they actually come up and they're contributors for the New York Yankees? Because you you don't allocate funds properly. And it's funny, I'm, I meant to say back when... um. Michael was on. He was talking about sense of urgency and seeing some emotion. The most emotion you're going to get from Aaron Boone is going at an umpire. And coincidentally enough, him getting ejected 10 times this season gave Carlos Mendoza all the manager experience he needed to go across town and get the Mets job. Boone getting ejected and him stepping up in that spot. Here you go, Carlos Mendoza. And then Brian Cashman says something today about, oh, he could have been a manager. I'm surprised he wasn't a manager 10 years ago. And kind of almost like, peacocking about the fact that our bench coach just got a manager job. Look at us. Look at how great we are. We're such a baseball factory. But your fans currently hate the state of the team. Mickey's in Sturbridge, Massachusetts on the fan. Go for it, Mickey. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Keith. Um, yeah, you know, real quick on Cashman, I think I looked this up, and the longest tenure GM in baseball The today, eternal GM, that, going nowhere, literally. 
there's a 14, one guy, 14 years as a GM, 25 years. Um, but, you know, that's not the, what I wanted to talk about. But he's got to go. 25 years. It's way too, too long. long. Resign. But, but Step down. Let's look at what I want to really talk about is the difference, in my opinion, between Hal and George. And I'll give you one thing. When George was there, Catfish was available. He got him. Reggie was available. He got him. Justice, he got him. Strawberry, got him. Doc, got him. Boggs, got him. Clemens, got him. Fielder, got him. This guy has not learned from his father. He might have learned how to make money, but he doesn't know how to win championships. And I, I think that he failed to pick that up from his dad. Who has he gone out and gotten? George got everybody that was available that he knew he had to get. He told his GM, get this guy. I want him. What is Hal done? It's just a different game now. Thanks for the call, Mickey. It's just a different game, a different time now, right? You know, I, I give credit for Judge, for Hal going to get Judge. Um, He did open his wallet for Garrett Cole. I remember waking up that morning thinking they t- they told me he wouldn't spend. They said the Angels or somebody else was going to get Cole. We got Garrett Cole. But it's a different time. The Yankees don't just go out and get the best players anymore. And that's why we're upset because we're watching the postseason and we're looking at all this top talent that they passed on. Why? You have the money. Why? Don't tell us that you have a prospect waiting in the wings or, you know, Brian Cashman. Someone should have asked him, hey, um, about Bryce Harper now. In hindsight, right, remember when you said Bryce Harper couldn't play first base for you, but we saw you roll out Mike Ford and Jay Bruce and a bunch of other characters at first base. Remember you listed six outfielders that were blocking you for even from even pursuing Bryce Harper Jacoby Ellsbury was in that group. Aaron Hicks was in that group. Clint Frazier was in that group. Like, what say you now, Brian Cashman? There's too many of these things, folks. That's what I'm saying. There's too many mistakes that have piled up. He he asked he he was asked about Frankie Montas today, and they said something about Frankie Montas got hurt. No, you knew he was hurt. I swear, I remember it. Listening to Susan Waldman before they got him, and Susan knew because Susan knows everything about what's going on in every baseball team in America. She's like, he he's he's been struggling. He's got a, a shoulder injury or some type of injury. Susan talked about it on the broadcast, and the Yankees were the the first people in line to get Luis Castillo from the Reds, who's now with the Mariners. And when the Mariners scooped him up, they defaulted into Frankie Montas, and it's like you traded for an injured player. And then you're going to say, oh, well, he got hurt. No, you didn't do your due diligence to know that he was hurt when you acquired him. When you gave up Luis Medina, Ken Waldachuk, and J.P. Sears, three young arms that could be starters in this league. Well, J.P. Sears started for you two years ago and made some starts for the Oakland A's. Waldachuk got his opportunities, but they're the Oakland A's. They suck, so they're not going to perform well. Luis Medina, I think, might have got one start. But these were young arms in the Yankee system that we were waiting to see come up, and they threw them away for an injured Frankie Montas. And of course they're going to sign Frankie Montas this offseason because no one else wants him. Butch is in South Yonkers. Butch, you're on the fan. Hey, what's up, Keith? What's up, what's up? Hey, what? Hey, back in the days, man, people used to, you know, you put those uniforms on, man, it was like a respect. Now teams don't even respect the Yankees. They come in and they want to play hard all, against the Yankees. Not at all, yo. That's what I'm saying. What are they, they don't standing mind beating on? the Yankees, man. They're food. They, they the Bronx, circled man. them. Show up. The worst teams in baseball circle the Yankees and say, this is a series we can get. Yeah. It, before they come in, they fit the Yankees. Rock Stadium, you know, you coming in there. And now, hey, anybody coming in the Yankees, we taking two out of three. And the Yankees sit there. They don't even look like they mad about losing. 
No, the fans are the the mad ones. We want to yell at the players and haze the players and taunt the players and, and get at them, but then we're down right away, and we know our offense can't score but two, three runs, so people are beating the traffic. Yeah, and the players are sitting there. They don't even look mad like they're just sitting there smiling and all that. Come on, man. And people just coming here. They're not. You know, these of course not. Because they know there's nothing they could do. They come into the clubhouse. It's a different lineup every day. Somebody's resting. Somebody's yeah. playing a different position. The Yankees love playing players out of position. Yeah, we know you're and an they, infielder, but uh, go play right field today. Yeah, and then the Yankees, they have too many injuries. They, I don't know if their medical staff, man, these guys get hurt too often with the Yankees. But it's so consistent. Remember 2019? Going into the postseason, their whole tagline was next man up, next man up, which is used in all of sports. But they wanted to stick on this yeah. next man up thing because they relied on so many backups and replacements to get there. If you know that you led the league in IL trips in 2019 and 2020, do something different. Yeah. Figure it out. Don't talk about, like, now Cashman's upset. He's saying, it's a fact. It's not an excuse. It's a fact that injuries hurt us. Yeah, but be better prepared. Stack the deck. Have reinforcements ready. Don't have these bottom-of-the-barrel guys ready to roll out there that can't perform consistently. And you got guys, they start their season. First month of the season, you got guys already hurt. So, I mean, what, Spring what's training. going on with that? Spring training. Carlos Rodon throws one bullpen. He's out till July. Yeah. Yep. Luis Severino, uh, you gave Severino better, a contract. Man. Severino, during the, the years that you gave him that contract, he was barely available. And look at how terrible Luis Severino's last year was, this year that just passed. That's a guy they oh, that yeah. they decided to sign. Aaron Hicks is a guy they decided to to sign. He was hurt, and when he was healthy, he was ineffective. But as soon as you DFA him, he gets on a hundred win Orioles team and finds his way. He's hitting home runs both sides of the plate. He's working walks again. Oh, he gets to play in October, and you're sitting at home. Like P said, man, this year Yankees don't believe the hype because they're selling us nothing, man. We, you know they got to do better. No, I don't believe. Thanks for the call, Butch. I'll be at the stadium. With the gang, with the homies, with the season ticket holders, and my friends that I know that go to the games, and the Bleacher Creatures, La Bodega family, I'll see you there opening day. But do I expect this team to get back to the World Series? I don't. Do I expect them to go out and sign Yashinobu Yamamoto and Shohei Otani and, and Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger? Hell no. John's in Orange County on the fan. Go for it, John. Keith, I look forward to all of your assessments. For the three years that you've been with this company, you are tremendous. You are a breath of fresh air, and I just wanted to make that known. Oh, thanks. You are really somebody that I look forward to. Your assessments are spot on. It's just real, and, and I wish it wasn't this real. Honestly, I wish I wasn't this much of a Yankee fan that has been going to the stadium for the last decade and been just wanting to win and wanting to experience wow. a World Series. You're, what you hear is me just giving up. Like, my, my experience and, and my passion and what I've lived through in these last 10 years is not good enough. Well, being a fan back in the 50s, I'm 75 years old. I have seen, obviously, a lot of championships with a lot of managers and a lot of people that were also general managers. Brian Cashman, the way that he has lost belief in him from the fans, he is just completely oblivious to this or he ignores it and there's something wrong with that he's been coddled he's been protected by the Steinbrenners and so has Mr. Boone I, the word I have for Brian Cashman after he disrespected Aaron Judge with not signing him right away 
and giving him the money that he deserves and that he has earned. I changed his name to Brian Trashman. And but that's it's a, who he it's is. It's a theme, John. You're right. You've been a Yankee fan this whole time. He disrespected Bernie Williams. He disrespected Derek Jeter. Like, and Judge, hey. those are like, honestly, if I put together my three favorite Yankees in my fandom, it would be those three. Absolutely. No question about it. And as far as Aaron Boone is concerned, the man may be very knowledgeable. Too. But you know what? It doesn't translate to what he's supposed to be doing. And to me, he has proved to be a buffoon, not a boon. And as far as Steinbrenner goes, saying it's a requirement to make the postseason, since when in any generation of, fa- of friends, of family, friends, and fans of the Yankees was making the parents acceptable. No, we're supposed to win. Thanks for the call, John. You have all of the funds, assets, the, the best home field advantage, the fans, the money, the location, the history. You have everything you need to go out there and field the team to win. But you want to be like the Tampa Bay Rays. You want to cut call. You want to stay under the luxury tax. Last call goes to Vinny on Staten Island before we go to break. What's up, Vin? Hey, Keith. What's going on? So, listen, I'm sorry to say this. I'm going to be honest. We could scream. We can hoot. We can holler. And it's, it's not going to matter. No, nope, there's nothing we can do. Because at the end of the day, yeah, you saw how fiery Cashman got. Because every day he probably listens to the radio stations and he has the fans complain and cry and this and that because we didn't get this player, we didn't get that player. But at the end of the day, they're still going to do what they need to do because they're the New York Yankees, and they're going to be like, listen, you're going to come to the ballpark, yep. you're going to spend the money, you're going to yep. pay the $15 for the hot dogs, $15 for the beer and the soda, you're going to spend all that money. Yep, we got you. And we got yeah, you exactly. off of history. That's, that's what it is. Not off of right listen, now, off I'm, of history. You're hoping. It's hope, hope, keep, hope week. You hope they get back. Listen, Keith, I was talking to Tierney a couple – like, once the World Series was over, you'd be like, hey – you think we're going to get Soto? I said, honestly, we don't no. know if we're going to get Cody Bellinger. Like I said, let's see if we can get Cody Bellinger before because with Soto. They could have got Cody Bellinger before the want. Cubs got him last year. They told us that Oswaldo right. Cabrera and Aaron Hicks were ready to go. Come on. It's exactly. just it nonsense. But now, this year, but Keith, now this year, what is your excuse if you don't get Bellinger and you don't land Soto and you don't get Yadamoto and you don't get Hayner and you don't get this guy? What's your excuse? Because, like I said, at well, the we, end of the day, we've got we've got X amount of dollars tied up in Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole and John Carlos Stan. They've got three three hundred million dollar guys. They also just paid Carlos Rodon. One thing, one thing, Keith. I'll say this: It's going to slap him in the face when Garrett Cole wins the Cy Young Award and next year when. They don't make the playoffs again. He's got to opt out and not even consider the Yankees. Nah, he loves the Yankees. Thanks, Vin. He he, Yankee fan today, tomorrow, forever. Cashman talked about him, too. He said he sat with Garrett Cole after the 2022 season. He said he's the smartest baseball player he's ever come across. And uh, that was Cashman's white whale. Garrett Cole goes nowhere. He's got two little boys. They got a nice crib up in Greenwich, Connecticut. Cole's going to finish his career as a Yankee because he grew up with the old Yankees, like all of us. Like I said, I got brainwashed as a kid. And what we watched growing up is so far gone from what's going on right now. You got to grow up. I'm growing up. Santa Claus isn't real anymore. Peter Pan's got to leave Never Neverland. Like, I've been saying these same things on the fan forever. It's getting old. I don't expect change. I don't expect them to actually do it because 
They met the media today, and they gave you a bunch of nothing again. So what it tells me is when they get into the room in private, they say, we're good. We don't have to change anything. We're good. They're standing on what they did in the past, and I don't know what the future is actually going to be. But I can't expect the future to be better than what we're consistently getting. They're going to be They're going to be mid. They're going to just be, you know, if they get back to the postseason, yippee. Do I expect them to dominate? No, because there's other teams in Major League Baseball that are going for it, that are that are smarter than them, that have closed the gap on them. They're still stuck in the 1990s. All right, we got to take a break and get my guest. Thanks for all the calls. Let's talk Jets. What's going on with this whole quarterback situation? They're going to still force Zach Wilson on us. Of course they are. But here you go. They got to face the Raiders out there Sunday night. Are they going to flex that Sunday night football game? We're going to talk to Zach Rosenblatt. If you listen to my show last night, I was using a lot of his tweets. He covers the Jets. He's got more information than me. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the fam. We'll be right. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back. Joining us right now, my guy, Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic, covering your J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. What's up, Zach? How much, man? How you doing? I'm good. Uh, first off, I got to give you your credit on air, your love on air, your respect on air. I don't think there's a single night that I'm talking about the Jets that I'm not reading your tweets or taking little nuggets from the information you provide. I mean, I was talking in the off season when we were um, on Aaron Rodgers watch and I've been meaning to get you back on. And of course, here we are week 10 going into Vegas and uh, Zach Wilson is the quarterback. So much has happened since we last had you on. So I wanted to give you your flowers and welcome you back. I appreciate that. I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing's happened. It's, it's same team. <laughs> yeah, you you live it every day. You are, you are <laughs> in it every single day. And uh, we'll start with 
Zach Wilson because how could we not? I mean, Rob Sala says uh, it's lazy to just put it all on him. You know, it was the uh, collective all the way, all the way across the board, and we know that. We know that. But I think in every offense and every team, really, it's the NFL. It starts and ends with the quarterback. Like, why are the Chiefs in what we consider a dynasty right now? Because they drafted that kid out of Texas Tech. Like, why are we looking at the Texans in their first year with the new head coach and rookie quarterback saying, wait, they got something going on down there because of the quarterback. So here we are in year three with Zach Wilson, and I feel like I'm in uh, an episode of Black Mirror. I feel like this is... (laughs) This is the twilight zone. I feel like we're living the same day. This is Groundhog's Day. It's the same thing over and over again. And uh, my question to you is, have you seen anywhere else in the NFL uh, a quarterback get this many opportunities and have a coach stand behind him and an organization continue to just say, he's the guy, he's the guy, we don't need to make a change, he's the guy? Uh, No. I I mean, I can't imagine there has usually guys in the NFL – that are drafted highly and are as bad as he was the first two years, do not get a shot with the same team in the third year. It just right. doesn't happen. I mean, you look at Trey Lance was traded and he didn't even play as much as that. Um, yeah, you know, I, you know, I think that to, to like Salah's comments about, you know, you can't put it all in Zach, like maybe your listeners don't like this reference, but I, I covered the Giants when Joe Judge was that coach. And I, I think in uh, 2021, he had a quote, you know, about because their offense was miserable that year. If you remember, and, his, and he had a line like, you know, it, the, the fish stinks from the head down. Like it starts at the head and it stinks <laughs> yep. below it. And so the, the, the Jets offense stinks from the head down. It starts at the top with Hackett and Zach Wilson, and then it goes down from there. Like everything starts with the quarterback. I think that's the that's the main issue I have with not only Salah, but there's like fans who have like pushed back on the Zach Wilson hate because, you know, the, the offensive line is not blocking well enough. The receivers are dropping passes. Uh, guys aren't getting open. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook's not running well. Like, what, like all these individual things, but – Really, the quarterback is supposed to either overcome that or help make that stuff a little bit better. And so I, I think Zach is a, the biggest problem right now. And, you know, part of the issue is I, I don't know how much confidence they have in their other two quarterbacks that are options. And that's, you know, an indictment on this, this, uh, you know, front office's decision to not bring anybody in either in the offseason and especially after Aaron Rodgers got hurt. I think that ultimately was a mistake. Um, but yeah, this is what they're rolling with. And I, I think this is going to be a really big week because, you know, the Raiders are, you know, not really a good team. I know they won last week and they popped out cigars, but when you beat the Giants, I don't know if you should be celebrating like you won the Super Bowl. So, um, this is, uh, this is not a good team. And if the Jets lose this game, uh, this season could really go off the rails really fast. And so I think this is going to be the final test for Zach. And like you said, it does feel like deja vu. I, I kind of joked after Rodgers got hurt as I was locking out of MetLife. I'm like, the, it feels like the last five months didn't happen and we're just back in 2022. And that's especially true right now where this is the exact scenario that pretty much happened uh, last year. You know, after, I feel like after that like first Patriots game where Zach struggled, everyone was calling for his head. They wouldn't bench him a couple, to like two weeks later, however many weeks later, they bench him from Mike White. And it feels like we're headed towards the same thing. Once again, we're joined by Zach Rosenblatt, who covers the Jets for the Athletic. So you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and I think it's funny. I was joking about, okay. Now we're going to see Aaron Rodgers pregame doing a little half rollout. He did give us like a little three-step drop, throw the ball 50 yards, everybody oohed and odd. But the thing that we got last night and then we heard different today, at the end of the game, a clip goes viral of Derwin James talking to Aaron Rodgers where Aaron Rodgers uh, is asked about his timeline. When are you going to return? Hey, when are you coming back? And he says, give me a couple weeks. But then today on Pat McAfee's show, you know, uh, Tuesdays with, with Aaron, 
he walked it back and said that's nowhere near the timeline. And I think anyone with a brain can realize, like, a couple weeks, give me a couple, like, not even a couple months, bro. Like, it's like, I don't I don't know where we're going with this. And I, I know I'm going to ask you this question, and we're going to have the same answer. Like, do you think Aaron Rodgers is coming back to play this year? And, and do you think he, he even should? I don't even think there's going to be anything worth returning for. Yeah. I mean, to your second question, I, I think the answer is no. I, I mean, I... As remarkable as what he's done so far looks, you know, I, I, I've heard, you know, whatever it is, like a few games left in the season, two games left in the season, three. If he does that, I think that's pretty much like three, three and a half months after Achilles uh, surgery. Like, and that's that's just like unprecedented, unreal. He's 39 years old. And I, I don't know that it's worth the risk either for him or for the Jets. Um, and that's going to be a big part of it. And, and to your other point, you know, he's he said over and over again, even when he said, I want to come back, he said, you know, but I, we need to be in contention. We need to be, we need to have a chance. And if we get to, you know, that Browns game in week 17 or um, I'm blanking on who they play the week before that, like if we get into that stretch of the last three games and, and they're not realistically in the playoff race, which, you know, I think this Chargers loss actually does kind of hurt because that's going to be a team they're going to be fighting with for a wild card spot. Um, if they're not actually in the mix, like, I don't know if Rogers, it's worth Rogers risking his career to come back. So I, I, I I personally am skeptical. I, I I say it's above a zero percent chance, which is not what I would have said if you had asked me after that Bills game. But I, I'm skeptical. I I just don't I don't see a doctor that would clear him after right. three months. That that seems unrealistic to me. Right. I, I've been calling it Jedi mind tricks. He's making you believe things that aren't going to happen and see things that aren't there. And you know I get it. It's a way to motivate the team in a way, right? Oh. There's a thought that if we play well enough and keep winning and keep this season alive, Aaron Rodgers returns. But, I mean, from the jump, I'm like, that's not healthy for Zach Wilson and the team itself. That's not healthy for this offense, right? You got Everything's got to be all in on Zach Wilson because you defaulted in that. So now let's talk about Joe Douglas. Last night I was calling for him to come to the front of the congregation. I'm like, this is on Joe Douglas. We were so blinded by the chase and pursuit of Aaron Rodgers that we didn't think about just like how obvious it was. This offensive line is not solid. You had a 38-year-old Dwayne Brown that you rushed back. Uh, you know, there's always injuries. No one keeps a healthy five offensive linemen all year. I think it was negligent. I think it was an oversight. I think it was irresponsible to default into Zach Wilson as your QB2 with a 39, almost 40-year-old quarterback. And I also think that they doubled down on that by not fixing the issue right away, right? We just saw Carson Wentz was signed. And I know Carson Wentz not, might not be the answer, but now everybody points to Carson Wentz, and they point to Josh Dobbs was available, and we heard that Jacoby Brissett was available at the deadline. And it's like, man, I, I've never seen anything like this in the NFL, in the history of the NFL. A GM, a coach, and a quarterback that are all just in lockstep. They've hitched their wagons to each other, and they're li literally letting the, the, the ship sink with this guy. So... Like Joe Douglas, I don't know what. Like what? What do you think is going on in his mind about the rest of the season? I said this at the deadline. Oh, they're not really serious about this year. The whole goal was Aaron Rodgers. They're already on the next year. Whatever happens this year, great. Like if if they're in, able to end the drought this year, great. But what do you think about Joe Douglas and his thought process? Do you think he's kicking himself, or do you think he's he's just on the next season? Um, you know, I I think he probably does have some regrets about some of the moves they made this offseason. I think one of them. Um, and this kind of ties in Aaron Rodgers, and they, they kind of catered to some of the guys that he wanted to bring in. If you look at all the guys that he wanted to bring in, mm -hmm. they've all been pretty massive disappointments. Randall Cobb, you know, Alan Lazard, I mean, Dalvin yeah. Cook. L Lazard, Lazard and, C and Cook in particular have been a, a, 
problematic. I think Lazard, I was given the benefit of the doubt for a few weeks, but this is a pretty brutal game. He just had, they're paying him a lot of money to be, you know, a number two wide receiver. And as of right now, Garrett Wilson's the only guy getting open. So it's, uh, you know, Joe Douglas constructed this offense. He went into the season deciding that he was happy with Billy Turner as their swing tackle. And when you have a swing tackle, that means the odds are they're going to play at some point. Um, I, you know, it's hard to blame him for like the injuries and stuff like that. Uh, just cause, you know, you can't plan for the amount of luck that they've had, the bad luck they've had at that. And in that group, but you know, ultimately, you know, it's on him for choosing Billy Turner as that guy. He had one of the worst games at right tackle I've seen uh, yesterday. And you know, Lazard's been bad. Randall Cobb's been the least productive receiver in the NFL. Dabble Cook's been the least, one of the least productive running backs. And and you know, the, another one is they drafted Will McDonald in the first round. That was like a luxury pick that was yeah. meant for like two or three years down the road. When Jackson Smith and the Jigma, the receiver who's playing pretty well for the Seahawks, was sitting right there, and now all of a sudden, receivers. Look, it looks like a strength this offseason. Now it looks like the biggest weakness on maybe the entire roster. And so, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. This, you know, last offseason, it felt like he couldn't miss. You know, he had that draft class. He signed DJ Reed. Um, and he made all these moves that, like, it seemed like he was just hitting home run after home run. And that's kind of why everybody's still here on the staff. But this offseason, I, you know, I think it's very fair to criticize some of the moves he made. Yeah, let's talk about this defense. Once again, we're talking with Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic covering the Jets. The defense is incredible. I watched the game last night, and I've watched all of these Jets games, as we all do as hosts on WFAN, and I'm just so impressed with how they're good at every level. I think they have absolute dogs on the front line. They're, like No one can stop their, their defensive line. Um, interior, exterior, like it doesn't matter. Like Edge rushers, uh, nose tackle, they just, they're, they're dominant. And then like when you look at their corners, even when Sauce and Reed weren't available and they played the Eagles, they had practice guys step up and play well. Like they just their defense just has it. Jeff Ulbrich has it. Man, they they were heating up Justin Herbert. And again, I'm watching the game and I'm saying, add Herbert to the list of quarterbacks that they've humbled, embarrassed. Like this defense, they're not the 85 Bears, but man, they're they're really one of the best defenses we've ever seen for the Jets. I hate that it's deja vu, but do you feel like we're going to see another locker room where these guys are, are are asking for coach to hold the offense accountable? And, you know, I remember that narrative coming out about the defense that, you know, guys would be held accountable if they weren't doing their jobs. Man, there's there's guys on the offense that aren't doing their jobs. And even Garrett Wilson said, I can't look the defense in the eye anymore. Do you think that we're heading in that way, like another loss or two, where this defense is going to start getting tired of it and maybe guys start making T-shirts campaigning for Trevor Simeon? Yeah, I don't know about that that, that part because I, I think or Mike Timmy White. Boyle. Just, I, Mike White was universally just like the ultimately. I talked about this on my podcast today. I, Mike White wound up being maybe the biggest loss they had this offseason because you know if they have Mike White right now, they're in a much different spot. But yeah, you know, I I just it's uh, Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee show today. You know, had some comments. He basically was saying how the offense has not been good enough, and the defensive guys have been doing a good job of like not acknowledging that. But if Aaron Rodgers is seeing it, you know Quincy Williams is seeing it, you know Quinn Williams is seeing it, you know CJ Mosley is seeing it, you know these guys are annoyed. They hear what everybody's saying outside of the building. They know how good this defense is, and they know it's being wasted away. And I think Aaron Rodgers being there and in, in, like in the building on the weekends has probably helped uh, prevent some blowups to a degree. But you know, you have people like Sauce Gardner saying things like. You know, we, I guess the defense is going to have yeah, to score now. Like, and like, that's after, you know, I mean, I mean, I always think of last year when they lose whatever, 10 to three to the Patriots and Carl Loss is like, well, we should have given up zero points, not three points. And, and it's, uh, like they, they're being held to an impossible standard that they're giving themselves because right. the offense is not doing their job again. And that this is how locker rooms, uh, you know, 
really start hurting themselves. And the offense, you know, it doesn't seem like this offense does not seem like it has a good plan. Zach Wilson is struggling. And it's three and out of three and out of three and out. Defense is shutting down Justin Herbert. They're shutting down Patrick Mahomes. They're shutting down Josh Allen. And it's not really amounting to much. And it's, uh, it's a real concern. And again, I think this Raiders game is going to be a really big deal because if they do it again and the offense against another really bad defense does not succeed, then it's going to be a problem. I mean, looking at this Raiders game, they're one and a half point favorites. I think it's pretty much a push because when you look at Aiden O'Connell versus Zach Wilson, I don't think anybody actually knows. Like, you don't expect Aiden O'Connell to go out there and have success against the Jets' defense, and we also don't expect Zach Wilson to go out there and have success against any defense, really not be able to score. So I don't know. I'm I'm going off of this, going off of last week and the Giants going out there, and I think people are definitely pumping up the Raiders too much. Once Daniel Jones went down, and I don't think Daniel Jones beats the Raiders either, but once Daniel Jones went down and they defaulted into Tommy DeVito, there was no way that yeah. the Giants were going to even compete. And so, the, you know, the Raiders, good for them, smoking cigars. Antonio Pierce, he's, you know, he's the new head coach, and everything seems like it went right. But I think there is a chance that the Jets go in there and compete, and if they play another close game like they did with the Eagles, uh, they, they might be able to steal it. But if they don't, that's back-to-back losses in prime time. I did see something about them potentially flexing that game, but, like, what if it's now, okay, you won three games, you start losing – uh, two games. Do you think this will force a, a QB change? And and I hate to say it from last year when they lost six in a row, like it could be deja vu of last year. You start looting. Like when you look at the Bills coming up, the Dolphins coming up, like it could get bad. It could flip and take a nosedive again. So let me ask you the actual, actual questions. I always hit you with a bunch of things. <laughs> Do you think back to back losses and let's say Zach Wilson, yeah, he's not throwing picks, but if he's fumbling and giving the ball away, do you think it'll force them now? When they're not 500 and they're a game below 500, to say, okay, we got to try something else, Timmy Boyle or Trevor Simeon. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think, I think, like I said, I do think this is the straw that could break the camel's back this weekend. You know, if they win the game and Zach doesn't play well, I think they maybe still roll with him. I think they're just trying to survive as long as they can and hope Aaron comes back later. Um, but yeah, if they lose and Zach Wilson is a reason they lose in particular, like it's going to be hard to justify to an angry fan base that's as angry. As any fan base in the league, as someone who's covered multiple NFL teams, I, I believe that to be true. This is one of the angriest fan bases in the league, just naturally. And then you have a, a, de- a defense who's, you know, gonna, you know, there's some fear of them turning on the, on you know, Zach and the coaching staff or whatever it is. So I, I do think this is the final straw. Zach's last chance. He probably knows it. Um, it's deja vu for him. He's talked a lot about how he thinks he's different. He talked about that last night. And uh, this is his. Maybe his last chance in the NFL to be a starting quarterback this week. Like, there's no pressure, but that's this is what's on the line for him. So that's, I, I really do believe this is the game that um, could determine. And I don't know within the game, like if he's very bad in the first half, would they change it? I don't know, but um, I think it's on the table at least. Yeah, the kids got unlimited lives with the Jets. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be the end. I think they're just they're going to ride this thing out. Last question, you know, going into the game last night, everybody was talking about the division. Right, because the whole division lost on Sunday, and so Jets fans were thinking, "Oh, we have a shot at the division." Then you know you get humbled by the Chargers, but you still potentially have the division because you have the Bills coming up, you have the Dolphins coming up. It's still right in front of you. You have the Dolphins again, you have the Patriots again. You already beat the Bills once. Like they, this has to be the week, right? So let's play a game where um, you know Zach Wilson does do well, and Zach does. I don't know. People were talking about Zach Wilson's going to drop thirty points. I don't think that's going to happen. But let's say Zach Wilson does enough for them to win, um, and then they do go forward 
and uh, figure out how to beat the Bills and the Dolphins, like then where we where where are we at with the team? Like I think I think that's the only way to right the ship. Zach has to beat the Raiders, right? And then they have to go and try and uh, beat the Bills and Orchard. It doesn't even sound right. I don't even know why I'm talking that, that far. <laughs> it. It's not believable. So here's the question: uh, in the other in the other universe that Zach Wilson does play well. He's the guy the rest of the way. There's no more talk about Aaron Rodgers, and then the narrative shifts to, okay, Zach Wilson is the quarterback to end the drought for the Jets, and everything is well, and then Joe Douglas isn't on the hot seat, and Rob Sala is good too, right? Um, I, I mean, I, I would say him playing all this week would buy him some time at the very least. I don't think it would be a he's our guy the rest of the season situation. I think you would, as the Jets tend to do, they would hang on one good performance and keep referring back to that. It's what they do with the Chiefs game. They did it last year with, with that Steelers game he had where he came in in the fourth quarter. So I, if he has a good game this week, that buys him a couple of weeks. But if he goes out against the Bills and the Dolphins in two division games and they get killed by them because Zach Wilson's playing poorly, then we're right back where we started again. And so um, I, I think I think regardless of win or loss, he should be evaluated based on how he plays. And if he's bad in a win, I think that should be considered and that should be a factor in the decision of whether they bench him. But it's uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be that's going to be the storyline this week. That's what we're all going to be watching for. Uh, especially, you're, it's not like they're going against a great quarterback. They're going against Aiden O'Connell. They're going against a bad uh, defense. So this is a game that Zach Wilson needs to win. Okay, last question before I let you go. I just thought about this from last night. I was talking about Roger Saffold and uh, Dwayne Brown. Like, are do you have any information on when those guys are available and if there's going to be a different configuration of this offensive line? Um, I, I feel like Dwayne Brown should be back soon, maybe this week. I, I think that'll be, depending on how he looks at practice, he was a full go all of last week, so I don't see why he wouldn't. And if he does come back, I, I do think the thing that's kind of been broached of moving Makai back to right tackle and plugging Dwayne in a left tackle, I think that's what will happen. And you keep Max Mitchell at right guard, I think that's part of why they did that this last week, to get him a week ahead of time before they start rearranging again. And you get Billy Turner out of the lineup and you roll with your best five, which I think on paper that is their best five possible right now, so. Um, I, I, I lean towards that. And then, you know, Saffold, I don't see him playing a huge role uh, this season. But, you know, with the way this team has bad injury luck, it wouldn't shock me if at some point he was plugged in at guard. Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic covering your New York Jets. Zach, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem, brother. Thank you. I mean, talking about the Jets is so confusing because it, it doesn't make any sense, bro. It's just like the fact that we have to talk about Zach Wilson this much back-to-back seasons, really three years in a row, and the answer is so simple. It really is so simple. Just make the change. Just make the change and figure it out with another guy. And you have two other guys. And to say that they're not better than Zach Wilson, they can't be much worse. And I know it's not all on Zach. The offensive line was terrible. And and Alan Lazard had penalties and drops and can't get separation. Garrett Wilson fumbled. Dalvin Cook sucks. He came here to play with Aaron Rodgers. He's not playing with Aaron Rodgers. He's been checked out since Aaron Rodgers went down. But it's like it does start with the quarterback. And you see it in other teams. You see it across the Falcons who are coming up on the schedule December 3rd. Desmond Ritter, who they drafted in the second round, not good enough. We'll play Taylor Heineke. Right? Like even the Patriots, who they'll play January 7th, and neither team will probably be in it. But, like, they have no problem benching Mac Jones, who they drafted a few picks after Zach Wilson. It drives me nuts that we waste so much time talking about what they should do when the game starts last night. This kid drops back, no pressure, two open receivers to the right, and he airmails the ball to the sideline. I would have sat him right then. Enough already.
It is confusing. It's a brain buster. What goes on on one Jets drive that they have hitched their wagon to Zach Wilson and they're willing to let the ship sink again in the same exact way. Incredible. Jets fans, please call me up and tell me what's going to happen. I think I was listening to BT go through the schedule today of the remaining games, and he counted off way too many wins for me. I'm like, how? How do you watch that game last night and think that, oh, that's a win. Bills already beat them. Dolphins. I don't know. I see a nosedive coming. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.